Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
Hey, listen, Daddy. You're listening to the number one broadcast, Monty and Farrell, Daddy, in Long Island. The best pro wrestling broadcast of all time, I think. Hey, everybody. This is Action. I'm Demolition. And you're listening to the Monty and Farrell Show. The number one wrestling show on Long Island. Unbelievable show. Watch it. Listen. Make sure and listen. <laughs> this here is the legendary warlord. And I'm at Long Island's the best radio there is, the Monty and Pharaoh show. I like it, you like it, and we'll all like it. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, straight out of Indie Music TV here on Lo- in Ron Cotton, on Long Island, on in right here. At the board, we've got none other than producer Matty Ice. Matty, how are you, bud? And to the right is the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Jimmy, how are you, my friend? Still getting over Matty Ice. What's going on? <laughs> Great shows last week with Mike Knox and yes. Savio Vega. Yes, sir. Thoughts on that, brother? Awesome. Mike Knox was a, was a pisser. And, uh, you know, Savio Vega was great. It was just uh, one after another. Well, bang, bang, bang. We've got a very special guest, uh, Mr. Dr. Dre in Ooh. studio. But before we get to this legend, yeah. I just wanted to get talk to you a little bit about right. Howard Stern. What? I wanted to give your thoughts on something, right? What's so up with Howard? Recently, The Post uh, came out with an article about Howard. The Post. Yeah. All right, I'm already weary, but go on. The Post is a reputable, reputable compared to the newspaper. Daily News and the Times. Well, I'm going to ask Dr. Dre to weigh in, too. So. Stop it. Go on. But anyway, so it reveals that. that Howard Stern seems not to treat his employees too well. Uh, is that so? Uh, page 6 is reporting that uh, Stern has an icy behavior. And, I see. Yeah, and uh, Scott Salem, his longtime engineer, yeah. um, his wife became ill. Okay. And uh, he wanted to start a GoFundMe page. All right. And he was permitted to do that, but he was not allowed to use the Howard Stern show in any form or fashion. Wow. And then Howard, turns out he didn't give any money to uh, Scott's wife, and unfortunately mm-hmm. later on she passed did, away. Did they have some sort of personal problem between the two of them? I don't know. Are he there worked, things he worked, I don't know he about worked that from the for Post 30, probably doesn't either? He's worked for him for 33 years. It's pretty so, bad. Right? On the surface, that looks pretty awful. I mean, what can I say? On the surface, it looks terrible, the, but what business is this of mine anyway? Well, the only reason I bring it up, it yeah. seems like the world, the way we are right now, mm-hmm. it's you're like if you're a comedian, yeah. you get some kind of pass. Do you? Yeah, why Lenny not? Bruce didn't get a pass back in the 60s. Why We're is not Howard talking about Lenny Bruce, though. We're talking about Howard Stern, right? <laughs> okay, fine. Right, so like, you know, Donald right. Trump doesn't get a pass. Yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon, keeping it to wrestling, doesn't get a Vince pass. Vince never gets a pass. But right. Howard Stern 
clearly he has ex-employees that well, feel he treated. Do you think he's getting a pass, or are there, or does he have a lot of people on Twitter? I don't see. I don't see anybody on social person. media ripping this guy apart. This article right. just came out. I don't even know what to think about anyway, it. Anyway, I want to get to the special guest, uh, yeah. the legendary Dr. Dre, after this commercial break, and maybe Dr. Dre wants a weigh in on Howard Stern. Fair enough. We'll be uh, right back. And Nitro's Garage, for all your automotive needs, call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence, Collision Specialist, 631 261 6420. That's 631 261 6420. Auto Excellence. You need a body? That's right, folks. Canine Corral for all your dog daycare and overnight care. Call 631 549 1544. That's 631 549 1544. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Seen every Thursday produced out of Indie Music TV in Ron Conkham in New York. This is a Friday, yeah, and we have the legendary Dr. Dre in house. Doctor, thank you. Hey! Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. The first time I came down to this studio, this is the first time I came down to this studio, yeah. you were telling me a problem that was going on. What seems to be the problem? What? Well, we're talking, we opened up the show talking about Howard Stern, right? Is that what you're reaching? Howard at? Stern. That's right, Howard Stern. Now, you know I've known Howard Stern for many years. Howard Stern, born out of here in Roosevelt, Long Island. Hmm. Roosevelt, Long Island. Believe it or not, before the black people moved in, Howard Stern and his family were living in Roosevelt, Long Island. Now, Howard Stern's not playing an employee who's been there for 33 years? What kind of mess is that? I agree. He's a billionaire. Hmm. Come on, he can write him off in an afternoon. Hmm. Now, I can't tell Howard what to do with his money. I can't tell Howard what to do with the gentleman's GoFundMe. But come on. Can we have a little heart? Thank you. Can we have a little passion? Hmm. Can we have a little bit of love in the room? Now, I remember back in the days when I was on Hot 97 with my partner, Ed Lover, we did beat Howard Stern in the ratings. Yes, we did. Ooh. Yes, baby. Yes, but baby. But we would have contributed to that, man, before, before GoFundMe existed. It would have been called Go Dre. We'd have gone to Go Dre, and I'd have dropped him some money. That's right. That's what you do, because we all live on this planet together, and we almost live with a little bit of love. Love is important. Love will get you through to anything. And I understand how it does time on a therapist's couch. He does what they call it, psychotherapy? or <laughs> that, That's um, what he claims. Well, like that's Tony what he Sopran, claims. Yeah, right? like, uh, yeah, he does that. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I did that six or seven times. Mm. Didn't do anything to my personality. But, you know, God bless him. <laughs> God bless him. God bless his wife and their paintings and their kids. And their I can understand that. But, Howard, all you have to say one time on your show is, could everybody send that gentleman... Okay. $5. That's fair. Five bucks. Yeah. So if he had eight, nine million viewers sending $5, his wife would have a very pleasant departure from I, this plane. I think they, they got about $78,000. Now, you just said nine million view uh, listeners, right, or whatever he gets. Especially on Sirius XM. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of people. Seventy-eight grand. That seems like a travesty. And if you can't mention the show yeah. that you work on, that's ridiculous. Look, in, in these days and times, 78 grand goes by like... <laughs> I know, I have a GoFundMe page. And my 7 grand has disappeared like 
and I didn't even get 78 grand. But for Howard Stern to sit there, I can't judge him. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Mm. I'm supposed to give him some acknowledgement and to say, Howard, we love you. We love all the things you've done for so long, you, your family, and everybody that's worked for you. Next time, you don't have to even reach in your pocket. Just say, if everybody gives a guy five bucks, five bucks. Come on. That's $45 million. It's, it's, that's but, a lot of money. Nine million saying, people, five bucks a pop. That's, uh, I think that's but $45 say, million. But say he only gets 100,000 people. Mm. It helps. It helps the young man. It helps the man. Sure. He's been there helping you for thirty-three years. Show him the bone with me. I guess my point to you was the agenda-ridden thing, right? Howard's a comedian. He gets this pass. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we can't. We can't always tap on people who are affluent. They've worked real hard for the money they made. Right. But we can show compassion. We can show love. We can actually reach out and help each other. That's the time we're in, especially right now. What's going on with COVID? Mm. What's going on just in general to all different types of other organizations like the Junior Diabetes uh, Research Foundation, the American Diabetes Association? You know, folks need you know money to keep these places running. Everybody's not Michael J. Fox. Yeah. He's brilliant. He raises a lot of money for MS and what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. But we all got to be able to help contribute because the thing is, you never know who's going to need it, especially in your family. Just because you can write a check and it can go away doesn't mean everybody can do that. And that's the thing about what's going on today with these vaccines and stuff like that. I say people should do their research. People should understand that, yes, it did go quick. Uh, These things came out of nowhere. But we have to make a proper decision for not only us, your family, your friends, and even your enemies. So, Howard, I'm not saying I'm not reaching your pocket and ask you to spend a buck. But to make a mention for this, this, this man... What does that cost you? What does that cost you? In your dealings with Howard in the past, because you said you you know crossed paths with him several times over the years, are you yes. surprised that, that he has taken this stance against a 30-plus-year employee? But we don't know if it's Howard. Is it management? Is it right. somebody saying Howard said it? That's what we got to be careful, because there's always right. these entourages. That's why I don't have an entourage. Mm. I have my daughter and my kids. There you go. That's a big enough entourage for me. There you go. I can't handle it after that. It's an entourage so they, you can trust. That's right. When they say no, I got to say, hey, they said no, I got to walk away. So we don't know what what transpired directly. It is an article in page six, but again, thirty three years. What are Howard? Five bucks from just mm. say a thousand of your listeners could have helped him greatly. We don't know. We don't know. So that's why I'm always cautious to stay and say, "Oh, let's jump on Howard about it," because we don't know. He might have said, "Look, I gave the guy two hundred thousand quietly, but he couldn't mention it." And it, you know, whatever deal they cut, we don't know. So, Dre, have you always thought like this, though, or did you have a different perspective when you were younger? Always thought like this. Mm-hmm. I come from a family that's very political. We did a lot of community work. I've uh, done a lot of community service in my day. Oh, boy, I tell you that. And, you know, you got to understand something that we work. On, we live on this planet together. It's just like wrestling. You can't have wrestling without another opponent. Right. And sometimes you got to have four or five of those opponents, and you got to put a cage up. It's called the cage match. Yeah. But guess what happens? The audience enjoys it. The athletes enjoy it. And the viewers who are at home, like myself as a young guy kid, I was jumping off the top of my bunk bed and slamming my brother years ago. It's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. But you, gotta, but you have to embrace those things and understand a lot of that comes from the love we get from being entertained by such shows. I mean, I started back at AWA, into the WWF, into the WWE, all the way to where we are today. Wrestling is just its a way of life. So wait, you grew up in New York. 
right? Yes, so I grew up were, right here on Long you, Island. So you were a WWF guy. No, the AWA back No, that's what I'm saying. How do you yeah. venture into the AWA being from New York? You just watching the because ESPN show? Or? No, the, I'm talking about the one that used to come on Channel 9 at midnight. Okay. And after that, the roller derby came on with the women. Right. That's how far back I go. Okay. I go back to the time when TV was off at, after a certain hour. Right. And they did the Pledge of Allegiance, and it's like... Yeah, the National Anthem would t- come that's on what I TV's right. fit? Yeah. My brother, would you go to sleep and turn the idiot box off? <laughs> He said, because if you sit in front of it long enough, you become an idiot. But yeah, I used to watch wrestling on Channel 9, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw Hulk Hogan, and we were so impressed. And Roddy, Ra- Rowdy Roddy Piper was one of my favorites, because I couldn't believe he had a kilt on. Yeah. And Piper's Pit, I loved it. You know, the Million Dollar Man, all of those guys. You know, Cole, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. all of those guys progressed through all of that. The Junkyard Dog. You know, um, the Legion of Doom, all of the the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. You still watch wrestling today? It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I remember when I challenged The Rock to a, to a, a fall. Challenged The Rock. I challenged The Rock. Story, but I said, "I think you're a candy ass," and he said, "Do you understand that I have to beat you now?" I said, "I'd like to see you try it," and I ran fast. Yeah, yeah. he didn't catch me. It's understandable. But I think somewhere in his future he's going to catch me one day. Well, he smells what you're cooking. <laughs> he only smelled what I was cooking. And, and it wasn't ribs, ladies and gentlemen. That's pretty funny. <laughs> he wasn't ribs. Oh, my but God. But, no, I, you know, I have fun with those guys. I love it. See, when you understand what it is, and, and I remember when Rocky Three came out mm. and Mr. T was fighting with Hulk Hogan mm. in wrestling, I said, there's no way Mr. T is going to go out there and wrestle with these guys. And Hulk Hogan was out there because he was Thunderlips mm-hmm. on Rocky Three. But we knew it was Hulk Hogan. But then I liked when he was in the NWO. Love wrestling. The energy from wrestling is so great. Dre, how did you feel about the controversies with what Hogan has, uh, you know, gone through in the recent years with the the tape and what he had said? How did you feel about all of that, knowing that you loved watching Hogan wrestle? Then you hear some of the uh, racist look, comments and look. Let me let me explain the whole prejudicial comments please, that please. people make. And we have to understand the time they make it and how we've evolved. Mm -hmm. The best part of that word is evolving. Mm -hmm. And he understood and he can look back and say, you know what? I was wrong. I made a mistake. The one thing about me is I live with forgiveness. You got to forgive the guy. Look, you can't wipe out all the other good things he did for all the Hulkamaniacs and all the folks out there that, that followed him and ripped their shirts off and... He had to change his thinking. Because when we talk about when I started watching wrestling, there was a certain sense of thinking in this country mm-hmm. that existed. It's just what it was. Right. Mm. But we are evolving. If we can sit back and say, hey, man, you need to change that. I don't like you saying that that way to me. Just like you don't like me calling you a big buffoon. That's not good for you. So let's find better ways to communicate, but also understand at the heart who that person is. So, yes, he made some very off-color comments, Mm -hmm. but who doesn't? Right. We don't live in a society where everything is perfect. Right. But we can express ourselves and communicate in a fashion that I can tell you, you know what? You could get away with that then. We've moved on. Let's let's move on. As you mentioned earlier about Lenny Bruce in the 50s, they went after him. George Carlin used to talk about the seven, seven deadly words he couldn't mention. Right. There's a lot of great comedians. Milton Berle. I mean, I'll go through the list of them. This is prior to anybody doing the censorship thing. Shecky Green of the world. They all did it. Don sure. Rickles, one of my favorites. Sure. Called everybody a hockey puck. Sure. I know what that meant. But 
when you go behind the scenes and you see what this man does, right. you got to go, wait a minute. Because at one point in my life, I used to think Frank Sinatra was a bad man. Oh, Sinatra was... But Sinatra... Quite the civil rights after, fighter. After doing my research yeah. and seeing all the things he did mm-hmm. for people of color and Sammy Davis, I mean, tremendous things. He was breaking ground before it was popular. Right, right. So it's like, who am I to judge him on this incident when there's a whole journey of his life that you have to understand? So even for Hulk Hogan and for any wrestler out there, that word flies out there, the N-word flies out there, other words fly out there. We know that. Mm -hmm. I remember the Iron Sheik, and he was got to be the bravest man on the planet. He was out there after terrorist attacks were happening. Yeah, sure. Right. And he still went out there. Did and he same. had to face all that. Video. Well, then again, you'll do anything for $100,000, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you said something very interesting. You talked about the evolution of this country and its people. Mm. The three of us are close to this. We're in the same realm of the same age, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think today's youth is gaining our really, I'm trying to put in the right words, are the, are they really becoming real Americans? What this country was supposed to be based on? Like, you know, we with the three of us, right? I, I agree with everything you're saying, but do you think today's youth are more sensitive to what's happening and, and understand how this country was supposed to be built and they're really they're going to make it into the America that this country was supposed to be based on? I think what's happening with the youth is they're actually speaking the way it was spoken 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Bingo. When Malcolm X and Martin Luther King walked and spoke their mind, they now have the one thing they didn't have. They have technology. So when they speak amongst each other, they can reach each other around the country. And I'm not just talking about black and brown folks. I'm talking about white folks, Asian folks, green folks, purple folks. Everybody can start to speak. So we now can get a better understanding of what this country was supposed to be about. See, this country wrote, very simple, in in the Declaration of Independence, um, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And we don't understand the fight that happened when when John Adams and Thomas Jefferson Benjamin Franklin and many others were fighting for equality of all people that were here. Mm-hmm. But we had to go through a process. So then we got to the Constitution where we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice and pure domestic tranquility. See, that's the thing. Everybody, because we, we, we grew up so far apart, but yet we're so close. And what technology does now, it doesn't bring us closer together. Put the technology down and go shake a hand and sit down with somebody. Grab a beer, grab a, a glass of wine, you know, smoke a duba, whatever you do. Mm. That you can talk to each other and say, you know what? I wasn't raised like that. My grandfather told me, this because your color of your skin, you're this way. And then I hang out with you and I don't feel that at all. You see, once we tear down that wall, of prejudice. That's why we throw the racism word out there too fast. Racism is an economic term. It's not really a term of, um, what should I say? A term that deals with your attitude. Prejudice is your attitude. That's why the prefix of the word is pre, prejudge. And we fall into that because everybody stereotypes each other because everybody wants to feel comfortable in their skin. 
So let's get comfortable in our skin. Let's all get naked and get in the pool. Some are going to be a little longer than others. Some are going to be bigger at the top. Some are going to be smaller. Some are going to be really tiny. Exactly. Oh, but guess you, what? You know, We're starting oh, somewhere. Yeah. And you got to start somewhere. So the youth today. We may have to start in the kiddie pool, but go they, on. Hey, you know, you do what oh, you yeah. got to do. Some may have to take an extra shower. But the bottom line, <laughs> the, bottom line the youth are trying to show that they've paid attention to what's going on in the past and they've seen nothing took place. We're still stuck in the same muck and mire. And we shouldn't be. Why are we debating over helping people right now who are unemployed, who are sick, and we're playing games in Congress yep. with people who are like 80 years old yep. still operating on an 80-year-old mentality? Nailed it. Yep. We're not Agreed. operating on today's world. They took the summer off while they, you know, everybody's in need of a of an epidemic. How are you taking uh, a vacation you know. and people are dying? Yeah, we're over three hundred thousand and counting. Yep. So yep. when I talk about this vaccine, I don't tell people go take it because I said so. I say go do your research. Mm. Talk to your doctors. If you don't have a doctor, sign somebody in the family. Find a friend who works in a nursing home. Someone who works at a hospital. Someone who works at urgent care. And get your facts, right. and then make a, a an informed decision. That's what we need to start doing. Trey, I got to ask you while I have you here. Our generation, see, back in the sixties, of course, the young, the youth was expressing themselves. They were looking for for better ways, and the older generation back in the sixties was terrified of them. Trey, is that what our generation is currently experiencing with the younger generation? Are we afraid of what they may or may not do? as far as radical change to the things that we consider normal? Look, coming from a guy that was born in the 60s mm. and, and and was around when rap music and hip-hop started yep. and watching the radical attitudes of great R&B, rock and roll artists, folk artists, and I was saying, wait a minute, rap's been around since Abbott and Costello and Danny Kaye. Mm. What are you talking about? Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. I mean, I can go through a ton of people, but it was it was a different form. So when we came out with this this CNN from the streets, this MSNBC, this Fox News, that we came directly with what was exactly happening. And we put a beat behind it, and we decided to shake our booties to it. Mm. It threatened people. They're like, well, what are you doing? You can't, you can't do that. I said, what are you talking about? Our constitutional rights tell us we can mm -hmm. do that. So when people throw out the Second Amendment right, oh, you know, Second Amendment agenda, when they were talking about a Second Amendment, they didn't have an AR-15. They didn't have nine millimeter pistols. That's true. They were talking about the British coming in and knocking their door out, banging their wife, and screwing the sheep too. With a mullet. Wait, with a mullet. <laughs> with a mullet. <laughs> and, a, and a one shot. Come on. Right. Things he bought. knife. <laughs> those documents were meant to live and grow with the society. Right. Right. Not we're going to just hang in here and it's the only thing. And that's where the conflict is. To ease the conflict, we have to pull that rug up. And get the dirt from under that rug and say, you know what? We all screwed up. We all screwed up. But right now, we all have to come together and we have to love each other first and foremost. I'm not a religious man at all. Okay. I'm a very spiritual man. Okay. I come from a, a high spirit. I talk with the master planner. And believe me, that spirit guides me in everything I do. Terrorism concern you? I'm sure it does. Terrorism. Americans were terrorists. We were. Gotcha. Ask somebody from Great Britain. 
Dang. We didn't fight. Who who stood on a field and said, "Okay, we'll go toe to toe with the Redcoats." They got twenty thousand troops. We got two thousand. Let's see if we can win. Let's we'll sneak up behind them. Exactly. <laughs> they were the first guerrilla warfare I, I, soldiers there you go. in the world. Damn, because you couldn't man. beat you couldn't beat the Redcoats on the field. So let me ask you this though: Aren't you afraid that we're heading towards a socialist government? No, we are a socialist government. We have social security. Don't we have that already? Yeah. Well, we hold have, on. We're, we're a capitalist towards, government with some social... We have social... We've had social security since FDR. Right. And look how many people it helps. Right. Right. Yeah, so we and have so, some socialism behind a, a capitalist oh, society, only, though. Only a but as a capital... <laughs> let me tell you, as far as capitalism is concerned, it's great on paper. It doesn't work in practice. Mm. After the society evolves... Interesting. It okay. just does not. Okay. Because there's too many people. You say, oh, well, the, the, put yourself by the bootstraps. You didn't. You didn't. Oh, but I did this and I built that. Yeah, you did. But what about all the other people that you built it on? Like, I can't stand and say, oh, Dre, you're a super legend. You built this rap and hip-hop thing. You just, no. I was a fan. Wait a minute. I was a fan of this music. I'm, but I'm going, I'm going to disagree, and we're going to take a commercial break. You're absolutely but I'm going to say to you, and with all due respect, you went into uh, an era where MTV was solely hair metal, white, oh, young man. music, Boy, and you, you broke the wall down. Slammed it. Down, okay, yeah. I was there. Yeah, I watched I it happen. Yep. So I think you're undercutting. What you have done for rap music and your, what you, who you are. I have to be honest there. I thank you for that praise, and I love you for that blessing. But I'm going to explain to you the real. I'm going to say six, word, six letters. Mm. Run, D, M, C. Then I'm going to say a guy's name who I love, Prince. Mm. And then I'm going to say the real man who broke the wall down was Michael Jackson. Baby. Sure. Sure. They broke the walls down. What we did, we went for ours, and you can go for yours. That's what we do. That's what the whole essence of what rap music was. But even prior to that, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five with the message broke the barriers on MTV. What we were blessed at doing, because of a man named Peter Darty, the late, great Peter Darty, mm. and the late, great Ted Demi, whose forevision of this music, of this culture, found a... Fat black guy from Long Island <laughs> and a tall skinny guy from Queens there you go. and Fab Five Freddy, who I, I'm a big fan of, and put this crazy program on called Yo MTV Raps. And the crazy part about it was I was in the pilot unknown right? because I was introducing Public Enemy on stage who Chuck D and I went to school at Adelphi University. So Run DMC did the, or did the pilot and I'm at the Def Jam tour introducing it. And months later, Peter Darty, who knew me because I was DJing for the Beasties for a while, I even wrote a song on the Raising Hell album with my group original concept called Proud to be Black. Mm -hmm. So we had an understanding of what we did on MTV. And the one promise Ed and I made to ourselves from day one, we would never be MTV. We were going to be us. Right. Stay who we are. So when you got to see it, and you saw us not try to take your hair bands down, because I loved ACDC, I loved Led Zeppelin, I loved Poison, I, I mean, I go down the list. I had all those records. 
I'm a DJ. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I DJed many a wedding, bar mitzvah, social gathering, and they all weren't black. Trust me. So I had all that exposure in those music. So when Aerosmith and Run DMC got together to walk this way and knock that wall down, I sat in the audience and watched that video being made. I said, who knows where we're going to go? So when Ted Demi tricked me at a spring break in Daytona <laughs> at the at the Texas Texan the Texan um uh hotel and they were shooting spring break with uh, downtown Julie Brown and he said, Dre, I'll get you a date with downtown Julie Brown, but I want you to do something. I said, What Ted? I want you to paint a number one on your stomach. What? What why are you exploiting the black guy? No, no, just and then when it's gonna be the number one video in spring break. You're gonna blow up, it's gonna be great. And Eminette's out there and conned me. And they stuck me in the corner and put towels over me and sheets and they walked me out there, they pulled it off and I jumped off the diamond board with a number one. I became the number one highlight for the year. Wow. So when you go to break barriers, sometimes it's not your mouth, it's your actions. So after three spring breaks later, Ed and I are standing on a stage after a hurricane with 65,000 kids from college of all different walks of life, different colors, with Biz Markey, Tribe Called Quest, leaders of the new school, and others. And we stood out there and we said, I think we just blew up. I think we just brought everybody together. And that was the essential thing that Young TV Raps did. We brought everyone together. We wanted to make sure that we had predecessors that were greater than us. Don Cornelius and Soul Train, I idolized. Soul Train. You know, I idolized Dick Clark at American Bandstand. Mm. I mean, even Denny Terrio and Dance Fever. I'm a big fan of John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Big fan. I used to wear the polyester. <laughs> I used to walk around thinking, doom, doom, doom. Look at my walk. Look at my walk. <laughs> but when we did Yo! MTV raps, I didn't have to fake it. Man. I didn't have to be Dr. Dre. I was an M and still are. It's bad grammar, but my mother will kick me in the butt. <laughs> Dr. Dre. And so was Ed. And so was T-Money. Huh. And Fab Five Freddy. We didn't look for the accolades. So when we got shunned, I mean, I went to many a video music award, and we, we didn't even get to announce a video. We were the most popular people on the channel. They came with, they came with rules and excuses. Oh, well, no VJ is uh, um, giving out awards. We weren't VJs. No. We were hosts. Right. And our show garnished people like Mel Gibson in a kilt. It's very funny. Howard Stern was on your own TV raps. Yes, he was. Our first guest was Carol King, who had a hit Broadway show. First guest on your MTV raps today was Carol King. You know why? Ed and I were shooting the show. She was sitting on a, on a grandstand in the studio. And I said, Ted, who is that? So Ted walked over there and asked, it's Carol King. Would you want to be on the show? I said, yeah. And they were like, but she's not into rap. Come on, bring her in. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on, bring her in. So when I met Arnold Schwarzenegger at the president, was it the fitness thing? Mm -hmm. And he said, I got to get the weight off of you. I said, I got to get the weight off of you. Look at you. You're all swollen up. We joked and laughed because he knew who I was. Not was, am. Mm. So we, our goal was to bring those things down. We were the first, we were for social media before the computer was there. 
And Alan Hunter was one of the guys that tried to train me on working on computers. Did you come across any resistance as the show was taking off from anybody behind the scenes giving you an attitude or being afraid of what you were, the ground you were breaking, the walls you were knocking down? Did you come across any of that? Our resistance was no resistance and a lot of resistance, and I'll explain that real simple. One, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Brown, who's mm. uh, in a group called New Edition, was the number one artist of the moment with a song called My Prerogative. Ed and I saw Bobby at a party we were hanging out that, at Tuesday night. We taped on Wednesdays. I said, hey, Bobby, man, why don't you come by? You know, do yo. Yeah, I'm going to come by. What time? Told him, yeah, he's never going to show up to National Studio. Never, man. Bobby's crazy. And I knew Bobby when he was just a new addition. Right. That's how long I've known Bobby. And I hung out with Bobby when he was king of stage with his brother Tommy and my brother Fred. We, we all hung in the same limo together. So we went to tape that week. And Ted wasn't there. <laughs> so we were doing it ourselves. The other producer, Mo Zenbro, I believe, was there. No, Ted wasn't there, I remember, because he didn't even know. And we did a whole week with Bobby Brown, unbeknownst to MTV. No one knew. Okay. Bobby did the Ed Lover dance. We got down. We talked history. We had jokes, everything. Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown. Biggest star on the planet. Nobody knew. Flicked on your MTV rap for the next week because we always taped the week ahead. Bobby Brown comes dancing across the face. How did you do this? We've been trying to get him on MTV, and now he refuses. Because he was on MTV. He was on Yo MTV Raps. He didn't want to be on MTV. He wanted to be on Yo MTV Raps today. Wow. With Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break and get back with the legendary Dr. Dre. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. <sighs> well... For all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. Hmm. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine yeah all right welcome back to long island's number pro number one pro wrestling broadcast monty and farrow see number one Thursday. Mikey, number one number one what you produced that indie music tv and ron conkham in new york but we have a special friday holiday edition mm. right because the holidays are coming up and we've got the legendary dr dre doctor yes sir dre i'm feeling very clausish like in Santa Clausish. Oh. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I forgot my little bag, so I can bring some presents to you. Oh, right, you man. But I'm you, trying to give you these gifts. You you are. You can't tell gifts. somebody's uh, uh, religious background but unless they say it, right? Because like Santa always passes over my house because of the Jewish thing. So if you no, got he something, he doesn't. Look, look, look. I'm as Jewish as you. Believe it or not. I Did you get up, presents at Christmas? I didn't. Look, let me tell you something. I'm terrible. As, I'm as Jewish as you. I got so many Jewish friends. You would, you'd be surprised. I used to sit shiva. Oh, I, used I was to, shivering I used, outside. It's I cold. know I'm shivering too. Oh, you, you killed my joke. But <laughs> Dr. Drewitz. I used to. Drewitz. I, I used to. I used to. I used to go to um to the uh to temple 
There you go. Yes, really? I did. There you go. And I went, I went to temple. I went to church. And after a while, I even went to the mosque. I went everywhere. Right. Because right. I wanted to, I wanted to understand yeah, and learn. I, I and get like it. all my friends came in all different shapes, sizes, colors, I, I brother, totally religious backgrounds. That's what I'm talking about. That's a it. guy who. But I've done that too. Yeah, but you know, I'm just. I, I know Not like have. him, though. He's a. Yeah, we are. Anyway, I don't want to get off subject. <laughs> so you were speaking about Bob, Bobby Brown. Yes. Oh. Does Bobby Brown get a bad rap for the death of Whitney Houston? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And the thing about that is, and Bobby's done many great interviews about it, and even members of New Edition, Mike Bivens and company, and Ralph Tresvant and Johnny Gill, they all talk about that. It's like it was always his perception. Bobby had a bad boy perception. He did. He was a young kid who blew up and was a, was a, was a megawatt star with New Edition. Then when he went off and he went on his own, like you said, it's his prerogative. But between what happened between Bobby and Whitney should stay between Bobby and Whitney. We don't know when the cameras were shut off after their, their um, reality show, what really went on. We know, oh, yeah, Bobby was always in the jail. Bobby always owed this. Bobby always owed that. Yeah, because Bobby was that type of person. Okay, Bobby wasn't raised and graduated from Harvard. Bobby was raised in the street. Bobby, Bobby was a survivor. So was members of his family. And so was Whitney Houston, believe mm -hmm. it or not, in her own way. Mm -hmm. And people started finding it out after Whitney's death, which is a tragedy. We miss that voice. I was just listening to uh, Mariah Carey and uh, Whitney Houston, um, the song, if, you, if uh, There Can Be Miracles, from the, uh, um, what's it called, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Great song. We miss that voice. We miss that love. And the one thing you can do is, later on, you can get, go check out this spring, because it was supposed to come out this year, but because of COVID, I pulled it back, because I didn't want to start a song, sign autographs, with a hazmat suit and a Sharpie. Uh, my book called Yo Bigger Stuff, the Dr. Dre episodes from 1989 to 1995. Now, because we pushed it back, it's gone to 1983, to my early days when I started with Public Enemy, uh, the, my group Original Concept, WBAU, Mr. Bill Stephanie, Spectrum City, the concept, and of course, the inimitable one himself, MC DJ Flavor, AKA Flavor Flav, because Chuck, Harry Allen, the media assassin, and Bill Stephanie were in the same black music class. That's how we met mm. at Adelphi University. So in my book, I go into detail about this. And even different interviews that I've done, I did an interview on Vlad TV, which garnished over a million point five people paying attention to it because they were like, oh my, I can't believe like you've done all of that. And I said, I still got so much more to do. I've done, for me in my life, I've done nothing. I'm like, eh, I took a few steps. And the thing all along the way is, the one thing about our group, and I call um, my Adelphi crew at WBAU at 90.3 FM, the greatest incubator I had in my life. Mm. Because we all became marketers, artists, um, film stars, television stars, videos. We did all of these things in this incubator. Before there was a year on TV raps, before MTV decided to mess with us, we found ways to get it out there and we hustled the street like no one else. And that's in the book coming up. You guys were perfecting your craft before everybody else knew it, you know. And didn't didn't know it. Right. All we knew is two turntables and a microphone. That's awesome. And we would rock parties. We would rock um, park jams with thousands and thousands of people. And police would come up. You guys got to stop it. There's going to be a riot breaking out. Because you're just cutting the music off. All those people were dancing. Mm. They were having a great time. The MCs were keeping the crowd moving. The DJ was keeping the butt swaying. Then you came on with your craziness. Mm. See, that's where the friction comes in. 
rather than going and speaking and witnessing what's going on, right. you got to take a moment out. And I believe that reflects on the early days of rock and roll. After I watch all these different documentaries, movies with different artists, and I say, man, we did the same thing they did, but we did it our way. Right. And that's the beauty of it all. Speaking of the early days of rock and roll, I, I'm really curious. I was fortunate enough to work with Eddie Kramer, who was Jimi Hendrix's producer uh, in recent years. And he said something to me in one of our conversations in between sessions that really blew my mind regarding Jimmy. We all knew that Jimi Hendrix was shy about his voice, but Eddie was positive that if Jimi Hendrix had gone on and lived and, and not passed tragically, that he would have gotten very heavily involved in rap music. Any, any thoughts on that? He's still up here in rap music. Foxy, Foxy, um, Foxy Lady, come on. That's been there sampled. Go. There you go. I mean, I sampled Jimi Hendrix. I love Jimi Hendrix. But here's the thing. We got to look at life. And I say this because a good friend of mine just recently passed away. And he was a brother of mine. We grew up together. Um, we got to celebrate the journey. Because hmm. if Jimi would have lasted, would it have changed rock and roll differently? Hmm. I believe so. Right. If Mama Cass didn't choke on a ham sandwich... Would that have changed? I'm, I'm joking about that, but the point I'm trying <laughs> to make like, is... She did? But the point, the point I'm trying to make Wait is... Wait a minute, did she? Hold on. Yeah, but <laughs> they say Jimi Hendrix died, he's choked on his own vomit. That's right. what happened. And if right. they'd have got to him in time and cleared his cleared his um, mm. throat, he'd have been alive. Mm. It was just yeah. the master planner. We cannot stop. we got to stop trying to defy the master planner. Right. That's one reason why I don't go into buildings and people falling on the floor and screaming and hollering acting silly, saying, oh, I, my, my God's the best God. No, it's not. The master plan is looking at all of us and laughing. Sometimes we plan God laughs. Mm. I hear that all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. Was, so was, that's like saying, well, if Biggie was alive, what would he have been doing? I don't know. If Tupac was alive, what would he have been doing? I don't know, but we lost a lot of people in this milieu of folks that passed away. Do you chuckle when there's comparisons and debates over who was greater, Tupac or Biggie? I mean, what's No comparison. It? What's I was there. I was there with both men. Okay. No comparison. They admired each other. They worked together. It came down to, once again, the entourages. Hmm. That's what happens. Your guy's guy who's the guy tries to show the other guy who's tougher than the other guy so they can make a point. But if you put the two guys in a room and walk down, they're laughing and joking and smoking weed. That's what they did. They enjoyed that. Then they write lyrics, get on a microphone, let a beat play, and come up with a song. See, we got to stop that, all of that. Because a lot of folks out there, they're going at each other. And I, and I say, why are meanness? I, I, could you imagine, could you seriously, could you imagine Elvis Presley and Elton John going at each other? No. <laughs> Just wanting to fight? I heard Paul McC McCartney was going to cap Mick Jagger, but then they, yeah, they I mean, thought better of it. Which, could you, I mean, think of that. I, I mean, yeah, no, I, it makes no sense. Right, right. Were you, so when you achieved... were you disappointed when that was like, look, to, to, to me, when this was coming out with the Tupac and the Biggie thing, the media was basically saying that, you know, one side killed the other side. I mean, is this the kind of thing that you want to have the music attached to? I mean, Did, like, publicly? It, that, that wasn't the case either. Right, but that's what they were telling but the everybody. Thing is, and that's the problem. Right. And that's the beauty of today's technology, social media. We can put a stop to that. You can, you can put your truth out there. Right. But let's not believe everything that's thrown out yeah, there. Please, yes. Because people are saying the great legendary actor Keith David, oh, he died. On the show Greenleaf. What are you talking? He died on a TV show. <laughs> then I saw him on a show. Just another movie. No, look, I thought you were dead. Yeah. I thought you were dead. He's yes, fine. on Greenleaf. 
It, that's like we do that because we want to be entertained. It's like watching wrestlers when mm. they fight and they jump off the top ring rope and they hit the ground. They got the chairs and they do all this stuff. Then they walk in the back room and laugh and put water on their head. But right. I, again, I think it's like with everything. It's with politics. It's with religion. You said it in the beginning of the show, right? Do your homework. Do, do your homework your and then make your decision, right? Exactly. And if you don't like somebody, have a better reason rather than the color of their skin or the religion they, 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 they subscribe to. Or what sex, who they like as a sexual partner. That's ridiculous. Right. That's ridiculous. Because if, if you know so much about the master planner, can I get his beeper number? Yeah, really? Can I get, oh, can okay. I get, All right, so can I, I get a text or something? I got to hear your thoughts on this. I, I've always been a huge Ronald Reagan guy, right? I always thought well, Ronald Reagan well. was an icon for this country. Just my opinion. Well. Recently, you're, you're documentaries right. coming out talking about what he didn't do what and they, everything that's about again we're the, almost the same age we're very close to each other we were around during that time and sure. we had enough intelligence to know what was going on what were your thoughts on ronald reagan after you've read and heard everything i lived through ronald reagan that's right we yeah. both have so and my unfortunately point. and i say this with all due love sure. to him and i can forgive him at this moment but when my father passed away and Ronald Reagan signed a piece of paper that wiped out my father's benefits mm -hmm. and wiped out my benefits to go to school and made it harder for my mother and I and my what family to exist. Go on. And you did it with just malice and forethought that you didn't realize all the other people. So you can sit there and say, oh, the welfare moms, this one, that one. But let's look at what's going on today. Not the welfare moms. Let's talk about Mitch McConnell and his crew and what he's doing to people who he doesn't even know. And he calls himself the Grim Reaper. I despised Ronald Reagan. Okay. Interesting. I despised him. I saw nothing great in what he did. Interesting. Because of what you did to other people, not just to me. Were there any, any presidents you that... Hurt, you hurt people purposely. Because I, I, then I could learn how to forgive and forget and admire. Mm. Because I watched Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush come together after Katrina. Mm. And I said, wait a minute, I thought he was the bad guy. Interesting. And I said, he's not the bad guy. Maybe he, didn't, he did things that he didn't understand. See, I can forgive you for that. Even when Reverend Al Sharpton went out with, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Who's the speaker of the house? I can't think of his name. And they went on a, on a, on a great tour together. And I disagree with everything he said. Mm. But for him to sit down with Reverend Al Sharpton and go out on tour, because he was, he was a um, senator from Georgia. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blank on his name. Yeah, you got moment. me on this one, too. Yeah, but he's Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. Okay, but they they make decisions from that 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 podium. Come off the podium, walk the streets, and stop pointing the fingers at oh they're trying to do this. they're hustling. People don't want to do the stuff they do to survive that way. They want the same opportunities you afford that are afforded in the Constitution, that were written in the Declaration of Independence. They just that's all they want. The opportunity. Any any particular president in our lifetime, since we are of similar age, that you would say was at least a humanist? I mean, was there was there someone? Because but, Reagan is a very popular president, so I'm curious, was but there someone popular with who? You know what I'm getting at. And though. I know what you mean. You know no, what no, I mean. look, I'm just curious. Let me, let me show you the flip of the coin. Okay. JFK's assassinated on the twenty second of November mm -hmm. in sixty three. Yeah. Johnson takes over. Oh, his, his furniture's in the office the next morning. Right. <laughs> but when Johnson takes over, the whole civil rights movement is afraid. 
Because mm. they know what Johnson was saying. Interesting. We have the tapes of Johnson and his true words. Right. Mm. right. But when he sat behind that resolute desk mm -hmm. and he started to understand, I am president of all the people. All the people. Mm -hmm. What I do matters to everyone. Mm -hmm. The greatest civil, civil rights legislation, legislation was passed under Johnson. Under Johnson, right. Under Johnson. I'm, 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 now, was that guilt because of what happened to Kennedy? Why does I Johnson mean, get such a bad rap? Because what why? Johnson... With Johnson, you, if you thought Hulk Hogan said some things, <laughs> have oh, you ever no. heard the tapes of Johnson? Oh, yeah, he really? some really bad oh, things. Yeah. No, not good. But right. again, let's examine the time he was saying it. Okay. He wasn't saying it in 1993. Right, right. So he was saying it in 1964. So question for you. When you when you read that someone wants to tear down Winston Churchill's statue, one of the men who stopped Adolf Hitler, how, what, what, what do you think about something like that? I don't know why someone would want to take care of Winston Churchill statue, because I, I question some things Winston Churchill did. Right. But the one thing he did do, right. he kept England uh, England free. Okay. And he he did. did. He did. He did. I mean, it's like trying to make a decision between MacArthur and Truman. Right. right. MacArthur was a man of action. Right. Truman was a man of thought. Right. And he had to reflect. And I have to give credit to Truman, because Truman was the one who desegregated our army, mm -hmm. our military force. Mm -hmm. He said, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. We're thinking crazy. We're still thinking like it's 1863. Correct. We're still thinking like it's 1763. Right. 1663. What are we doing? Right. Yep. To be a better nation, to be a better people, to be a part of the commonwealth of the American fabric, mm. we have to start embracing Americans. You said something very interesting at the beginning of the programming, uh, referring to the Constitution as something that was written, obviously, all those years ago, but needs to be flexible as, as we grow. It's supposed to be a living document. What do you do with something like, and you, and you did say you're not religious, but what do you do with scriptural, you know, scriptures and, and religious texts? Those are even older than the Constitution. Do those breathe in today's world? Not really. I believe... The fighting that goes on. I believe the master planner has okay. a greater plan. Yeah. I do not believe the master planner publishes. I'm, I'm with you on that. I believe I the master planner asked us... He asked us to do two things. Two. Love one another like you love me. Right. Mm. Right. Love one another. Right. Like you love me. Well, apparently that's too difficult for us, but I... I and we, and we, we, we <laughs> put it on paper, we, we make movies, we right. show crazy images, right. and it's like... Right. Master Planner says, I never said to do none of that. Can we get back to basics, in other words, right? What, I mean, yeah, if, please. If the Beatles understood it, <laughs> of course all you did. need is love. There you go. Stevie Wonder, one of the greatest artists, one of the greatest lyricists of our day, speaks of nothing but love. Right. Right. So only I... Earth, Wind, and Fire speaks of love. Even Elton John speaks a love. Right. Billy Joel speaks a love. Even when you Ozzy bring, speaks of love. When you bring Even love, Ozzy. Ozzy. Uh, love does. Ozzy. It's got to get Ozzy, Ozzy in there. I when Ozzy. you bring love into the equation, <laughs> yeah. right. Right. it makes it difficult to hate. Because when you got hate, you got weight. Mm. You got to constantly come up with another mm. story, another like scheme, that. That's awesome. another another attitude. Right. You got to it's to hate. You got to really work at hate. Then why is pure love always greeted with violence? Whether you're Martin Luther King, whether you're Jesus of Nazareth, whether why? 
What, what is it about the human condition that we can't seem to tolerate love? Because what? someone sees someone with two rocks, and then there's another person that has four rocks. Uh-oh. Here we go. Yeah. And then when you see that, you go, how come you got two more rocks than me? And I go, well, they gave me four. Why do you have four and I have two? Is this condition curable? Wait a minute, hold on. Chance? Hold on, because I'm going to answer that question. Go ahead. Because we're a capitalist government. Oh. True. But Bingo. if you bring in, if you bring in to this, that, that milieu, because most um, societies are isms. Mm. It's fascism, mm -hmm. communism, mm -hmm. socialism, capitalism. And if you understand the first three I mentioned, they failed. But when you start to do the right pieces from each one and you don't have an autocrat in charge and the people, the people take responsibility for their existence. The people take responsibility for how they wish to live. The people stop trying to create lines and separate this one and you start to live with people. You start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that, that. We can be a capitalist in, in paper, but we can grow as a nation. Because if the nation is healthy, mm -hmm. if the nation is healthy, the people are healthy. If we have, world, if we have national health care, health care, the simple right of life. See, you can't say, oh, stop abortions, but I'm not going to help you with health care. Well, right. you, should act, you should work this way. You should do this. You should do that. So I'm going to ask you really? this, though, right? That's how doctors, do you go to that kind of socialized medicine. That's what you're talking about. No, right? I'm not talking about socialized medicine. I'm talking about national health care. It's not socialized. Why do we have to spend money on medicine? The Hippocratic Oath doesn't say anything about paying for it. Mm. When, are, when doctors who were better doctors in Westerns than we have today, Without, with the technology. Mm -hmm. They didn't charge. You went in, you saved somebody. The farmer said, well, here's a pig, Doc. Thank you. Or, Doc, my, my wife is going to cook for you. Thank you for saving my son. So I'm gonna is ask, that socialized uh, medicine? But hold on. A doctor, right? Part of capitalism is you want to be the best, mm -hmm. right? You want to be the best host you want to be the best wrestler you want to be the best doctor because you want people to pay you the most so you can get these things from being the best when you take that emotion or that drive away then you have canada right and that's really? sure you've got people from canada when they have to have heart surgery they don't do it in canada they come here because they want to be around the best who get paid the best mm. you want the best lawyer they're going to get paid the most. But see, here's the, here's the opposite to that. Good. I don't believe in malpractice suits. Why? Why are you going to sue a doctor for trying to save you and it didn't work? It's a good what point. Happens? What happens? But I don't know if we're talking about that right now, right? Who do you think saves your life? Do you think a doctor saves your life or do you think the master planner saves your life? Which is your choice? Do you think you have that type of control? I think I think you have to like flying in a plane. You have to give control, right? So whether That's you're why I don't fly. when you're whether you're religious, <laughs> you I believe in Christ. I believe in God. I hope He got they or it guides my way. Um, you believe I, in Christ? Absolutely. What does Christ look like to you? Be careful. 
Uh, no, what does Christ look like to me? What does Christ Wait, look like? So, so I'm gonna help you. I'm a, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help. No, you. I'm gonna tell you, He's and then you could you could correct me. I'm going to help you. Good. Going to help you. You ready? Go. Beware. He doesn't look like Jim Cavazio. Beware. <laughs> beware. Don't go to the don't go to the book and flip the pages. You'll disappoint yourself. There you go. So, okay. growing up as a Catholic, Roman mm -hmm. Catholic, okay. right? I always viewed Christ as a white whatever they showed me right that is not but that is no longer my vision though got, right we evolved what does it look right? like to you um if i'm a smart man i would say christ was probably egyptian in some sort of fashion he was, or he was palestinian of yeah, jewish you know, descent uh, you know he wasn't very no, tall wasn't, he wasn't jewish you know well of hebrew he, he, whatever the he tribes was, he was from jerusalem right he was a hebrew right hebrew descent you know what jesus looked like would you like to know? Sure, hit me. You're looking at him. I I believe it. You know who Jesus looked like? Go look in the mirror. There you go. Yeah. You know who Jesus looked like? Look at the producer. Amen. Look at my daughter. Amen. Maddie Ice? Jesus. Hey, Maddie Ice. Jesus, who walked this earth, this blessed planet, the Son of God, the Son of the Lord, not God, the Son of the Lord, was seen by so many different people. And if you just understand the region he walked in, he was obviously a man of color. Absolutely. In in the description in the book that you part the pages, hair of lamb's wool. It's a fact. But what happens, and that's why I use this as parallel, we go to Hollywood, and then there's a casting director. Then there's a studio, and there's a producer, and there's an actor, and then all these other things line up. Because don't get me wrong, let me tell you right now, I love watching the Ten Commandments. Charles Neston and Yul Brynner, man, I watch that like that's, <laughs> like that's the Avengers. Oh, are you? My kids will tell you they're walking out. He's watching the he's watching Ten Commandments. Are you, are you trying to tell me that a, an Egyptian does not sound like this? Man, Moses, man, man, Moses, Moses. One thing I, I want to get up. into because it's very but, important. But the point, no, no, seriously, the Go point ahead. I was trying to make, and I'm, I'll let you make yours. Go. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Is that that's the beauty of what we are on this planet. That's who we really are. And once we start to understand that, and we understand the things and in, in societal rules that man came up with, the master planner never said to do that. Was the, the master planner never said, what I want you to do is get some paper and, and put some ink on it and put numbers next to it. Right. Because you know what he knew? The moment you do that, chaos ensues. Yeah. How close to the? Because why did why did they why did they crucify Jesus and let Barabbas go? Barabbas was a murderer. Right. Barabbas was a thief. Right. Barabbas Barabbas was the worst one. They said, "Oh no, it's Jesus is the problem." Right. Sure. We have to remember that when Jesus walked the planet, he walked on his IG page. He never had a lot of pictures. He had these twelve other crazy guys that were following him. <laughs> and then when they went to tweet him from time to time. He said, well, come meet me on a mountain. We'll have a conversation. You see, he wasn't popular. Mm, right. You see, people don't want to admit that. Oh, no. He turned over the tables. That's right. In the temple. Because yep. he said, this is not what my father said to do. Yeah. Why are you doing this? He set us here and said, enjoy, enjoy the splendor of the planet. See, if we start doing that, and that's what COVID reveals. Because at the height of COVID in the early spring, when Venice, the river, cleared up and they saw the fishes. When the air over India started to be blue again.
When all the planes are flying around, slow down. The gas prices dropped to the bottom because we were settled. Yeah. And we were starting to work together as human beings mm -hmm. on this planet. Because I can go in a, a preacher down in Houston that when this hurricane hit, he locked the doors of his parish. Oh, gee, you're not talking about Joel, are hey, you? Hey, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, oh, wait till I get there. Your best life now, he Dre. Said, wait till I get there <laughs> while you're drowning. Oh, uh, he's the worst. You're in the middle of a, oh, a, a hurricane. Oh, please. If he's I was a part of the constituency, he's got nice teeth, though. I would have walked to his house and thrown him and his oh, wife please. out, took I all agree. the cars, and said, sorry, you need to find a new place. I agree. I agree. Because you got everybody fooled with technology, yeah. but you can't offer an explanation. Yeah. And I watched him mumble. I watched him try to find a way out of it. And I watched us forgive him because that's what the master planner says. Right. Forgiveness is first. Right. And everything else falls into place. That's that love thing I'm talking about. Was the 60s culture the closest to, the, to what you basically just spoke about as far as society attempting to try to get things right through love? Which 60s? The 1960s? No, the 1960s. 1960s? Yeah, not the 1860s. No, the 1960s. They were shooting each other. That wasn't good. <laughs> Remember that TV show, Happy Days? Sure. I love Happy Days. Hey. You know why I loved Happy well, Days? Well, first of all, let me correct you. Don't what? go further than this. What? What? Season one through six. After that, yeah, it falls off. It kind of jumps. Come around, we're done. It jumps the shark. It gets it even worse. <laughs> when he starts dating the girl with the kid and everything else. But that was good, too, because they were evolving. But here's my greatest episode of Happy Days. I was woo, woo, woo. Would you like to know which one it was? I was sure. woo, woo, Remember woo. the episode <laughs> where Richie and Patsy and Ralph's band lost the drummer? Okay. And Fonzie found a guy to drum for them. His name oh. was Sticks. Yes, Sticks. Oh, my God. And they were going Sticks. to have a party at Arnold's. Yes. And Sticks was bringing his date, Kathleen. But all around, they said, we can't come to the, we can't come to the party. Why? That's right. Because Sticks and Kathleen. Six of Kathleen. And Fonzie got furious. I'm going to go get them, and I'm going to force them. And Rich said, no, Fonz, you can't do that. Because they'll come, but they'll leave. And Sticks and Kathleen wanted to leave. And Richie said, no, we're going to sit here and have a good time. And Arnold came out before he became Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and other people came out, Richie's parents. Yeah. And you saw that was... That happy days sticks with me. Mm. Yeah. And that's what made me believe if we had an opportunity to bring happy days to MTV and they did not can play Sticks and Kathleen. I was Sticks. I wasn't playing Kathleen. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the point is for Gary Marshall to vision that and that crew and, and um, uh, Henry Winkler mm. and, and, and um, Ron Howard and all those, an incredible cast, why can't we do this today? So that was back before the 60s. Because what people don't realize, the 60s is a result of what King, Malcolm X, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad were doing in the 50s. Yeah. We wow. lost Malcolm in the 663, 64, excuse me. And the thing is, people were afraid of what Malcolm was saying because the truth, when it's seen, hurts and what dr king was doing he was saying you guys wrote these rules on this paper it's your parchment paper i didn't make this stuff up right i didn't i wasn't in georgia and atlanta why are you bombing churches with little girls in it 
What did they do to deserve that? Pray? Mm. They're in prayer. See, so you have to pull that rug. And we got to go under that rug and get to that dirt and say, you know, we really don't need this. Can it happen? You have people right now Can it with happen? a special election in Georgia threatening their own party members for voting. Why are we here? So when we talk about the 60s, we're in 2020, and it doesn't seem like anything has changed right. from the 30s because all this acceleration of attitude started after World War II. It really did. Mm. Because technology, Jackie Robinson was playing baseball. They, do you understand? We don't even understand what Jackie Robinson went through and Branch Rickey did mm -hmm. to the world mm -hmm. by doing that move. Mm -hmm. We don't even, we can't, you can't even talk to some young kid and say, you know about Jackie Robinson? Yeah, number 42. Right. But they don't understand the struggle because do? the struggle isn't illustrated the same way they could see other struggles at this moment. Well, fortunately, Jackie had his own Frank Sinatra. He had Pee Wee Reese. Yes. To say, get the hell away from him. Leave him the hell alone. Leave He's him. my teammate. Exactly. You know? And when that starts to happen, mm. then Ronald Reagan wouldn't have signed that document the way he did. Mm. He would have thought about that. He would have said, wait, how many people am I affecting with this? Not people I know. Because at one point, he was a Democrat. Right. And he had those same emotions right. and feelings when he was the governor right. of California. Right. Sure. So we understood. Right. So why did you go into the high, highest office in the United States and that just became a blur? Have the way the parties are publicly portrayed nowadays always been this way? Because now it seems so severe, the difference in opinions and what you believe in and who you are as a person, depending on whether you're Democrat or Republican, has is, is always been this but way. But it's just like wrestling. There you go. Heels you got to have more than one league to make the wrestlers, the best wrestlers rise to the top. So who's the heel and who's the face? I guess Trump is going to play the bad guy uh, here. He's yeah, Morocco. Yeah. Look, look, look. Everybody <laughs> knew what Donald was about. Right. When he ran. Right. When he won. Everybody right. knew. But you sat complicit. Because if you understand the way politics really works mm. in America and, and um, the presidency, that great economic boost was from Barack Obama and Joe Biden. It was. He did, what, tell me the legislation he passed that boomed the economy. Nothing. I don't even know about any boom. Half the stores on my block are closed. So. No, now. Yeah. But I'm talking about when he says, oh, we, we stood over the greatest economic thing. No, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and that Congress, and that struggle, and those changes they made after George W. Bush... Mm -hmm created the economy with certain policies that just didn't work. I don't know nothing about no trickle-down theory. Right. Trickle-down theory that to me means to Reagan, I get the right. shower after my brother because the, the shower <laughs> is dripping, <laughs> and I got to get the last bit of hot water. Well, I got to wait about eight to five, nine to five hours. Trey, we got about three minutes. I got you know a fan, I mean? There's a fan out there, Danny Jimenez, wants to know, did you ever have a problem with the other Dr. Dre over your name? Never. And if the, uh, the funny part about it is, my name comes from sports. It didn't even come from music. Mm -hmm. My partners told me I should use it because I used to be a New York Net ball boy. Oh, when a really? Group, nice. well, yes. When a group of young men named John Williamson, Billy Paltz, oh, Bill Melchioni, Larry Keenan, oh, man. and the incredible Julius 
Dr. J. Okay. Irving. Is that Kevin Lockery? Also, also yeah. born in Roosevelt, Long Island. There you go. I adopted his style of basketball play. And they said, you're Dr. Dre. And I said, yeah, that's a good name. There you go. So I used that like that. And I became a New York Nets ball boy because my godmother was an incessant basketball fan and hated going on a train to the see the Knicks, but loved the Nets because it seemed like the Nets were more flamboyant. It was more showmanship. Mm -hmm. And it was. They had the three-point shot. Yep. Julius Irving was dropping, jumping from the top of the key and slamming the basketball. Larry Keenan was shooting three-point. I mean, you're talking about legend, a team. Legend has it that that team challenged the Knicks and said, well, and the, the, the Knicks at the time had Reed, Frazier, DeBoer, exactly. but they said, we'll play you and we'll see what happens. And that game and they never declined. happened. Never of course, well, when you're the best, so why, would Abe, you, why would you take a chance? Let me, let me tell you Nothing something. But this, but this is why I can't stand a... Roy Bo, who owned the New York Nets at the time. Right. Because if that bastard didn't trade Julius to the Philadelphia right. 76ers, the Nets would have been the world champions of the NBA at least the first two or three seasons they were there. It's possible. They were the greatest team possible. in basketball at the time. Yep. I mean, they had 12 players. Every time they switched, one player was better than the other. So that, that New York Nets team goes up against, let's just say they get into the NBA, they go up against Bill Wharton and Maurice Lucas. You, you're going to take the Nets team, right? All day That's long. what I'm taking. The it's Lakers would not have a chance. Wouldn't have had a chance yep. against the New York Nets. Yep. And that last, I remember we had that championship right. and we partied. It was huge. They piled at my godmother's house on Urban Avenue in Newcastle. What was the turnouts like at those games at the Coliseum with Dr. James? It was, it was packed. Man, I wish I it was seen this. Packed. When did the Nets play at the 74, Comac Arena? 74, they won the title. They won Wait the title in 76. did they play at the Comac Arena at some point? Years. No, they won four, they, three early, titles. 1968, they played at the Comac Arena. They All right, so the Coliseum. final question. They built the Coliseum for the New York Islanders right. and the New York gotcha. Nets. Right, that's right. Correct. And the Islanders were packing it in, but the Nets were packing it in when playoffs came around. Right. Because yeah. the ABA was faltering. And yeah. Dr. J did that Converse deal, and that stuff and took he off. He did that All-Star deal. Yep. I remember yep. my brother had those sneakers, and I, yep. I was a size six, yep. and he was a size twelve, and I used to steal the sneakers. Well, I think <laughs> I, I won't think, lie. I think we've covered about every kind of subject you could cover I would here. Think so one last question. Except one thing. Go ahead. One thing. One thing. One thing. Please, if you can, please go to my GoFundMe page. Yes, it sir. helps my family out with my current situation and my 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 um, medical duties. You can go to Doctor Dre to fight back on GoFundMe, and this spring in 2021. Please support Yo Bigger Stuff, the Dr. Dre episodes, 1990, 1993, no, 1983 to 1995. Early career and the second half of my career deals in something that I have to reach out and help many people. Like I said, the master planner said to me, I'm going to wear this prosthetic out before it was all said and done. We're going to do a lot of moving and walking. I believe You're not just going to be talking, believe me. And I don't. I believe it. In fact, sitting here in this interview, like, I'm not going to get into it, but you made me see things that I knew that I didn't want to see. And he's uh, You've changed some some of my thoughts. I'm not going to get into it, but God and bless you. The blessing you. is all mine. Final and I, question. And it has to be that with love. Listen, that's the only way I can do it. Absolutely, my friend. What is Dr. Dre's legacy? I don't know. It hasn't been written yet. I know the beauty of my legacy. 
She sits right down there. That's my daughter. Absolutely. And my other three sons. That's my go. legacy to start. And I've been blessed with a beautiful family, some wonderful friends, and some delightful enemies. Well, I'm going to say as a, a fan and as a fellow human being, we're blessed that you're on this earth because you are one incredible human being. And I mean that from the heart. Amazing. Amazing. You've been watching Monty Nefaro, Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. You can see us on YouTube, the Monty Nefaro page, Facebook Live, Monty Nefaro page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on Twitch TV, Monty Nefaro page. Catch us on Channel 115 every Tuesday from 7 to 7.30 p.m. where you will see Dr. Dre in the... Abbreviated version there you go uh, also on saturday at 6 a.m to 6 30 on channel 115 and catch us on channel 20 friday mornings at two in the morning uh from two to two thirty this has been mike monty this has been the pharaoh and hopefully the master planner will allow us to see you again very shortly with our upcoming guest from big brother gina marie zimmerman later